0: Now, let's brew something up.
1: Hello, hello, everybody. This is Nick Borelli bringing you into another episode of Event Brew uh this is 2022 you may be hearing this in 2023 we're at that point of the year where we're not really sure what day it is what week it is who's working who's (laughs) not Uh, all that good ambiguity uh and uh what isn't uh ambiguous is who i'm with today and the first person i'm with is
0: deanna
2: there you go okay i was like i I wanted to make sure i said it for will hello Will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, spoilers Hello
0: spoilers also here is Will Curran from endless events
1: <laughs> yeah well, yeah well. so uh, we're here uh it's uh you never know who's going to show up to these anymore uh, that's what's kind of fun uh is that uh, it's different people can show up and we can solve a show versus uh, not enough people show up and we don't have a show <laughs> so uh that's fun uh what else is fun is that we all uh, consume beverages uh Still going strong. How many years in that we talk about this stuff? Will, what sort of
0: tea that I can't spell are you drinking? I'm actually drinking a little bit on the dark side. I'm drinking some Mountain Dew from Taco Bell. Oh, um, hey, Taco Bell for lunch. So I had two types of horrible substances to put in my body. Um, and yeah, but uh, I will have some more teas at the next episode. I just came back from Mexico with some new fresh teas to to share with y'all. I don't
2: the, the, know that I've ever had classic? a Mexican tea.
0: Well, it's no different than regular tea. It just happens to come from Mexico.
2: <laughs> well, you, you get my drift. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I
0: found this uh, dope tea place down in Mexico while I was uh, in Mexico City, so I was like, had to buy a couple teas and bring them back to Phoenix. A dope
1: tea place? Well, more on that later, because <laughs> I think there might be some uh, <laughs> awesome opportunity. to segue, but uh, Deanna, mm-hmm. uh, what's, uh, what are you drinking that's uh, not that probably?
2: Um, so my drink is waiting on me because I have this new little concoction, but I use it for falling asleep, if, especially if oh. I'm having trouble falling asleep. But segues um,
1: are easy today. Go uh,
2: on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're right on brand. Um, so it's this wine that I love. I think I've talked about it on the show before. It's um called Voga Wines, and it's their Moscato. It's not a, a typical sweet Moscato. It's a little drier, a little lighter, um, but I don't know if anyone has heard of the TikTok uh, uh, education, TikTok University. Um, They say that if you drink tart cherry juice before bed, um, it helps you like wake up refreshed and have a really Mm -hmm. good night's sleep. Um, I guess apparently has really high levels of like melatonin and it's easier to absorb than like taking a supplement. Um, so sometimes if I'm really having trouble sleeping, I'll have like a glass of wine and I'll add like an ounce or two of that cherry juice and I'm, I'm out like a light. So no, I'm so, not drinking it during the show. Okay. Uh, so say like, if you know. just
0: also, if Deanna just goes quiet, all of a sudden you'll know she fell asleep. Right. Um, right. During the episode. <laughs> right.
2: But yes, that's my beverage that will be my reward for um, recording today.
1: Yes wow well i uh i have three empty cans of mountain dew in front of me uh so that was a little bit earlier than that Uh, now i'm having lipton iced tea so technically tea-ish oh uh, just not in the same um the tables same world. have
0: turned yeah
1: i guess again i did have the, the three drinks prior to this uh, he got uh, in his Duke mountain dew mountain dew, before mountain he dew. switched
2: to, to the that's, tea co- that's true
1: coffee coffee mountain dew mountain dew that's what i see in front of me and then
0: uh <laughs> iced tea it sounds like a like i saw coffee coffee mountain like doo, the, mountain like the mountain um
2: like doo. the kids when they do this little chant sugar sugar iced tea da, 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 da. like that's what it sounds like
0: it, there you go <laughs>
1: Yeah. So uh, so we're trying not to fall asleep uh, because the substances we took uh, and uh, uh, and some of the tea uh, is dope. Uh, we should talk about drugs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. So one of the things that we, uh, we we've been thinking about talking about for a while and we're going to go ahead and give it a shot uh, now is the idea of uh, of cannabis at live events. Uh, it's a topic that's been around for a cool decade uh, uh, that I can think of as far as uh, conferences I've attended to where there's been at least a presentation within the events industry that's been dedicated to this at, at a show. Um, it really is at this point where I'm like, how is this not like, how is this taking so long uh, to just get to the point where I've not bumped into anyone who doesn't think that the inevitability is, is that national uh, legality in in like always recreational as well uh, it, it feels like that's inevitable um, it's just I think slow but it's still inevitable and if that's the case then what we're looking at is a a pretty easy um, to access um, recreational thing that would be in competition potentially with alcohol and, and live events have leaned Maybe too heavily on alcohol for yeah. their entire, uh, you know, existence, and now there's competition, and alcohol is um, probably one of the things that, if we, as we talk about this, we'll kind of bring up a lot because it's the one where it's gone from. Being, you know, considered something that is, uh, you know, uh, potentially a huge, huge risk factor to something that if you don't have your event, doesn't really feel like an event, uh, and it and both of those things happen at the same time. You know, it's this risk-averse people planning events, introducing an agent that accelerates risk, uh, and also it's something that is considered fairly mandatory in many circles. So. Um, now that we've got something else in the mix, I guess my question is, do you feel this is as risky in a live event as alcohol?
0: Oh, uh, quick kickstart question. That's a deep one. I, I feel like it's not because like, you know, when someone's getting high, like it, it, you know, the biggest thing you have to worry about is did you put enough snacks out for everybody? Then I feel like you have to worry about like. Oh, is this person going to like pass out and have a blackout, you know, like in t- terms of like a health crisis when it comes to events? Obviously, like your impairments, you know, lowered, I think, in a lot of ways when you're high. But I feel like your your inhibition to leans more towards like a, you know, wanting and caring attitude and more of like a positive attitude. Then I think sometimes when you're drunk, like it can be just like, I think, a, a less safe way. Um, So like for me, I feel like it definitely risk drops a lot more when it comes to this than it does with alcohol Um, for sure. And obviously, like when we talk about this, like let's assume we're talking about having an event in a place where it's recreationally legal. You know, like we're not talking about serving it in a city or state where it's illegal. And then in that case, risk gets extremely high. I feel like.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that that conflates the, the the conversation because that becomes more of a conversation around: Are you willing to introduce illegal activities within your live event? Which you know, obviously, seems like a, a pretty topic you know. for
2: another day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, events, guess. I events as money laundering laundering tools. A future ep- yeah, episode. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, hey, a lot of events I've been to certainly are absolute. Uh, dumpster fires of revenue so uh, i mean I, I could see that uh, being uh, a good uh way to launder money but yeah so what do you think do you think you've planned a lot of events uh do you feel as though that the mission of the event is more less or equally as likely uh to succeed with the introduction of marijuana into the mix and then we can get into the specifics of like how much and all that Ooh. good stuff
2: I feel like it's such a, I hate to give the like fence rider answer, but it's such a, it depends, um, situation. It depends is great. Um, the reason I say that is how are we utilizing the cannabis? Are we utilizing the cannabis for networking so that people are, you know, which alcohol is traditionally used? Um, Mm -hmm. uh, so people are, it's rarely at
1: content, right? Like you rarely have a speaker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, However, I, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of feel like there's an opportunity with cannabis that I don't think you would have with alcohol. And it's for any of those types of workshopping type of environments, creative mm. brainstorms, things like that, where inhibition like removing inhibition really actually adds to um the experience, if you will. Um, the creativity for some people, you know, if they're using cannabis, it increases. So in those environments, I can see like it improving the the experience because it's actually providing a catalyst for the exact outcomes that, you know, the event is built upon Hmm. Um, from like a networking or um, getting to know people. Again, it's just it depends because it's definitely one of those things, just like alcohol, that for the most part, it affects everyone differently. Now it can be all natural. It can, you know, it's all natural. It's not necessarily as processed as you know alcohol is, but some people um, become really sleepy. Some people become a little more um, funny. Uh, funny. Some people become <laughs> a little, you know, and and removing inhibition, removing inhibition at an event where you're potentially with strangers, where it may be more of like a professional environment, is not always a good thing. You know, some some inhibitions are good to have. Um so I think it's just one of those things of uh, especially depending on how it is delivered. If it is delivered via edibles, it's delivered, you know, via oils or actually lighting up because, you know, that can just affect the the balance of it in everyone's bloodstream and everyone reacts differently to the substance because at the end of the day it is a substance. Um so yeah, that's why I'm like it really just depends.
0: It's
1: interesting that we don't have these questions when it comes to alcohol, though, right? Like, one of the things that I—I mean, not that I've been in uh, at least the uh, room—it's like, like one of the things that you said, which is, I was thinking, you know, immediately, I was like, oh, you're right. Like, there isn't really a symptom of how marijuana makes people feel. There's a big range. Like, it's not monolithic in how it impacts people. Like, some people I've known that like get really talkative, and other people get like very quiet, and that's—I mean—that's a like how do you design for something where there is a catalyst in there that could swing in either hurting or helping your agenda um and yet then I, that's so much my first thought i was like oh man this is just a random x factor that actually is very difficult for me to be able to prescribe as a solution if the results are all over the place but then i thought of alcohol and i'm like well that's true of alcohol as well like for for instance alcohol is something uh, that if I have a little of it this is so subjective I feel as though it makes me very tired like mm. a single glass of something and I'm just like 10 percent 20 percent more tired I can get uh, there's like a curve where I feel like if I can get beyond that then all of a sudden like I am NOT and and maybe that fun is maybe may, or maybe in the instances where I'm more likely to have more alcohol uh, it's actually those conditions that are pushing me forward and not the alcohol. So don't know. Do know that it is not a it's not a, um, a sure thing. Right. And that's just within my own self. So then you have other people. So I don't know necessarily if you can say like, OK, well, hey, you know, you design experiences in order to uh, create a system of parameters that will have a, a likely effect and having something with such a, a potential big impact and being an X factor seems like it would be bad for design. The other part that I, I guess to, to like have this, you know, get everything out of this conversation I'm having in my head immediately is, uh, well, that then we don't forget, we're actually not forcing any of this stuff down people's throats. Like I go to a networking event and there is alcohol. Does that mean a guarantee that I will a drink the alcohol? No. Uh, Two uh, will drink to excess Uh, for me. Definitely not. Uh, So therefore, it, it actually is, uh, the person is in control. I guess the difference between alcohol and, and marijuana would be um, how well this group would know what uh, the effects would be for themselves in order for them to make educated decisions. And I think there's, while there's a chance that there's uh, maybe at this point a significant p- amount of people that would know there would still be probably a larger amount of people here who would not like I think everyone who's an adult who's attending an event at least has an understanding of where alcohol fits into their life personally, you know, as far as you know, what to expect or, or the range, but I would imagine if you got 100 people, there would be 25, 30 who would have no idea, you know, mm. Uh, and that's, um, interesting slash maybe not positive unless you were to design around it you felt that it was important enough that you, I don't know, did a flipped classroom on marijuana for your event and had them, (laughs) you know, uh, get high before they come. So they know what it's about for them. Uh, I don't know. It just depends on how important it is, right? Like, um, I mean, we've kind of already done that with alcohol because it's just a, it's a pillar of our culture. So everyone has to, you know, come to terms with it for themselves. Like you can't be like alcohol. What's alcohol, you know, like that, or I'm not sure what alcohol does to me. Like that, those amount of people are are like insubstantial. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's all the, the, the pro con stuff in, in going around my head. I just come from a, from a design perspective, like does it facilitate the design? Like to Deanna's point it depends it does depend
2: uh,
1: to to keep this going when would it be
0: ideal potentially so so i think i think the best place to start with it if you haven't done an event would be like to do it at like a party scenario like I think that like I love the idea of like the creativity elements and things like that incorporating it, but I feel like that might start to get a little bit more complex. But you know, you do it at a party. A lot of people are letting loose. You're usually designing around that. You know, you're usually having couches and I think things that help facilitate making a better experience when you're high. Um, but. You know, I think that it also becomes like the easiest way to do it because then, yeah, everyone chooses the way they want to do it in that case. Um, and also typically, too, like parties usually go into the the night and like let, and let's be honest, one of the biggest things similar to alcohol is that you want people to like have enough activity time so they can cool off, aka like come down from their high and move on to whatever the, the you know getting to their hotel room or whatever it may be in that case so i think like if you if you're looking at incorporating this start with the party and you know and yeah to your, your guys point like gather data on it too like don't just do it and then like at the end be like oh so how many people did this like ask the you know the bud tenders which i'm sure we'll talk about like how you can do this in the future in the future like start by um you know ask him how many people actually consumed how much did they consume all that sort of stuff so you can gather that data
1: can we agree that the puns are the worst part of marijuana?
0: <laughs> like, they're are just, you hearing me say more puns? I didn't even notice. No,
1: or or just like the words of like you just said bud tenders, and I was like, yeah, oh yeah, God, yeah. God, I yeah. don't want to. I'd I would try really hard not to say that out loud. But yeah, I mean, I, I it like I, I've all like, it's funny like I I did not consume marijuana for a very long period of my life. Mostly because I was like, man, I, I do not enjoy that scene. It seems really, uh, I don't know, not on the intellectual side, not on the, you know, whatever. It took me a while to, like, get over that, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That I'm, like, a, yeah, a the snob? stereotype? No, that I'm a snob and, like, I felt no. like that world is, like the the furthest thing from it to to a degree that I didn't feel like I'd be along. Well well to uh, your point, like now it's like we're realizing like how
0: many people are like doing this now too. Like the sti- the Well it's not like a subculture stig- anymore, right? This, yeah, the stigma's going away completely around this. And yeah. that's why I think we're even able to do this podcast today. Like, you know, ten years ago we'd say this, people would be like, what? Our professional like, careers uh, would be like yeah.
1: whoa. wait, did you hear that? You know, it's like, oh yeah, that's not really news. Uh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you feel like there are events or there are uh, aspects, events or communities, uh, Deanna, where you would say, okay, you know, this could be something uh, that would help achieve a goal that could not be done, or should say, like it may- maybe hadn't been tried, and then it would would help this group. Like,
2: oh, um, I would love if we ever revisit and have a part two to this conversation. I would love to have um, an a event professional in the cannabis industry uh, sure. participate just because I feel like it is still such a tip of the iceberg. We haven't seen enough applications of it, out, even in their industry, let alone outside of it to really like have tons of use cases <laughs> of what it would look like. Um, but I think the right now today in, in, The year that this podcast was produced because our episodes are evergreen um it's it it's come a long way there's less stigma attached to it it's less of a subculture however what are the still the social norms of when people are using these substances right the sub social norms around alcohol it has been applied in multiple contexts it's been applied you know having wine at dinner with your family it's been applied to networking events. It's been applied to, you know, you're in your twenties and you're going out with your friends and you're getting drunk. Like it's been applied in all those contexts consistently across the board. So people have, you know, dialed up, dialed back alcohol, just depending on the, the social situation. And I just don't think we've had enough experience with cannabis to say what are the social norms in all those different scenarios. So for example, I think it's pretty common that if you're at a business networking, an industry conference or something of that sort that it's tied to your employment or what you do for a career, it's kind of like the social norm to go easy, have one drink, maybe two drinks, right? Like that's kind of like the suggested social norm. But like when people get high, they smoke to get high. Like how often do people just smoke just to say I took a hit? Like you might have a drink, you might have two because it's the social norm of a networking event, it's the social norm of having, drink, having a drink at dinner. Um, you're not always drinking to get drunk. But I think with cannabis, that's usually the end goal. I would say probably the only difference would be like medical uses where people are using it for alleviate some type of medical condition. So from an instance of like, at an event, where would be perfect? Yeah, (laughs) that's a great question. Because it's just a matter of, you know, how can we use this? Like, I feel like the the options are endless for how you could apply this substance to an event. It's just we haven't, again, outside of the cannabis community, maybe I'm just naive and like, not aware uh, to what's, uh, what's been done already. But just enough, I I feel like that's the biggest barrier is the social norms in our day-to-day lives. And like once cannabis gets to a point where one, it's legal across the board, that's a big hurdle. And then two, it's common for people of all social status, of all, like you said, it was like a counterculture. You know, it was kind of like the, you know, in the late 90s, early 00s when I was coming of age, it was like the stoner. Like that was the 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 depiction of people who smoked weed Mm -hmm. and like as an adult i have a totally different viewpoint of it now but that's been through like lived experience and and you know seeing seeing its use cases so i feel like as a society but then also as a subculture of those of us in events we have to see more use cases we have to see more trial and error more guinea pigs of planners that have communities that are all for it and Stakeholders and check signers that are all for it. And then we can see, like, okay, that's a clear application. That's how I could tweak that for my use case.
0: Well, that's what I think, like, I was going to say, that's why I feel like if we're going to break down the social norms in a lot of ways, I think one of the big reasons why we don't know how it functions is that like there hasn't been a created social norm of it at a lot of events. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like I actually haven't been to an event that's had like cannabis served at the event. Right. Um, It'd be, you know, someone would be like, oh, hey, do you want an edible? It's like almost like, you know, it feels like more underground, even though like I'm in a state that's completely legal, you know, and you're like, oh, like, yeah, I don't plan on drinking. And like that's for me, like personally, I basically don't drink it anymore and I'd rather, yeah, have an edible or something like that in an event. I feel better the next day and we can talk about like yep. all the reasons why I think it's better. But like I think the big reason why is that like you can't just go up and go get it and go buy it or whatever it is at the event. And I think the more that we start seeing that, the more that those social norms will start to function because then you'll, you'll kind of have a playbook in your mind of what to do. Whereas like right now I'm kind of like, Oh, hey, someone, can does anyone have any ad bowls? Like, where can we go to the store real quick before we go to this networking party or whatever? It is, it is? annoying. You, you kind of have to make it your own, which, like, is not that really the worst thing in the world, but it'd be like the equivalent of, like, not having a bar at an event. And then, you know, everyone's like, okay, pre-gaming. well, let's, yeah, let's go pregame <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And, like, I think pregaming almost has this bad, uh, bad or equal connotation in, it in some ways, too. So, like, you know, pregaming like, is like, not.
1: Social or or part of design, it, it, you know, it, it's inclusive uh, and uh, there's, there's an opportunity there to create small you know, or, uh, amounts of bonds that are stronger. So like potentially like the people that I've historically either pre-gamed with at, at events or or smoked or done edibles with prior to going to something uh, like it's a it's a core group of people and we feel closer together because we've gone through something. Uh, mm-hmm. in, you know, in, in that way, uh, in the similar way that like when I was a cigar smoker, uh, more so, uh, I, uh, you know, would end up with other people who were outside smoking and like, as that stigma rolled in, as cigarettes went from the ambiguous to stig- uh, stigmatized, um, there was an opportunity for bonding amongst a smaller group of people, uh, in a way that wouldn't have been the case, you know, uh, 20 years prior to that. So, um, there is something to be said about that. And like potentially maybe there's a a sort of a, a way to come inclusively come together in small groups uh, that would be interesting, but as, as it is right now with the social norms being not defined, therefore the sort of more rebellious people find each other and end up having stronger bonds. So there's these, like, I would say probably almost exclusively in those instances, not intentionally designed experiences that create stronger, Networking bonds that that do take place from it, you know, happening organically in a world where things are are those things are stigmatized. Um, but what we can do now is maybe uh, know our community better and deeper, and have dialogues with them in order to determine if there's an opportunity there to uh, inject that variable in there and see what they would say. See, like it wouldn't. You don't need hundred percent participation, I guess, is what I'm getting at for something to have a potential positive impact. Like you could say uh, like what what uh, Will said is totally true. So like I've gone full Zoomer and been like, I, I don't want to drink too much at events because I feel terrible in the morning. Uh, and but I I do enjoy like some kind of social lubrication. So like the edible is the perfect solution for me because uh, it's uh, something that doesn't take all night. Uh, and at the, the next day I am. Uh, refreshed and, and ready to go. Oh, 100%. Uh, in, in a way, I'm in like a ready way that. For the next morning. 100%. Totally. And, and I remember the drag feeling of, come on, guys, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, you know, like the uh, staying out super late and drinking. Uh, I, I think I ever told you this one that, like, my, uh, my friend Damani and I, like, we did a presentation at, at Cater Source. Uh, this is long enough that I can, I can, like, be terrible about it. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we had sound check at 6 a.m., we were out till 5 a.m. Uh, no. drinking Holy shit. absolutely not. uh for a thousand people that we were a additional ticketed uh two-person uh speaking uh breakfast uh for the entire you know this entire group and we were like we were absolutely like uh on the like just the energy of being out drinking all night uh going into this breakfast thing and then we crashed and like just wasted the next day like that's the kind of thing and like we were at this party that was like super awesome it was that i don't know if you if you heard of it that cater source used to have this like inclusive invite only party um that was in uh this hotel and it was a whole thing and it was sponsored and whatever but like people stayed super duper late and uh it was all about drinking and I feel like that type of thing is like I I couldn't be more wired for the opposite now. You know, like I I need I need a good night's sleep. I've become an old person. And yet I find that like uh, if I remove the alcohol equation out of it, it really gets me to where I need to be. Um, There's that. But then there's also people who um, the, the opposite is the case. And like they. Uh, you know, would sleep in. So it, it really just knowing yourself. But like, I, I like the idea of options. I don't think there's going to be a lot of instances where events are going to be like, OK, you know, in the future, legality, all those things happen uh, and there's less of a stigma. But like, I don't think alcohol is not going to be served at those events like I think it's going to be there, too. And, and what it tells me is like there's an option for people. There's obviously always the option to not do any of those things. Then there's the option to have one and then the option to do the other and you know, having an understanding of what those things do and like what, you know, being hospitable uh and giving people this kind of opportunity. And uh, I, I really think that like there is something to be said about the extremeness of a multi-day conference on, on people and specifically when it comes to like anxiety, that like we design events that are not very comfortable for a large amount of people. There's a lot of people at them. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of noise. Uh, there is a lot of um, expectation around being uh, extroverted. All of those things are are factors um, that we don't design necessarily for a an awesome opportunity to overcome. And historically, that's what alcohol has provided. It's provided a way for people who are not, you know, even people who can overcome it and who are like temporary and are you know kind of like go go either way. Like alcohol pushes them over the edge where they, they can get things done that they need to do, uh, that they want to do, but they find that there's enough friction in, in the environment of a live event uh, that it's difficult and it requires some sort of, you know, uh, I don't know, accelerator. And having another variation of that, that that would work better for you in a way that is as designed and as hospitable as as alcohol has been, I think is is a plus it just requires people to do their own homework themselves uh and and then on the planning side is to understand maybe some of the variables that could get you in in a risky position do any of those come to mind like do you think of something that you're like all right you know there's a 50 million things that could go wrong for alcohol and it seems like most events are like comfortable with that variable um do you see anything that is not one-to-one with that for instance like you could say like oh somebody could you know do so much That this would happen or that would happen but is there something that's special to the effects of marijuana on people that you feel that we would need to do even more due diligence to accommodate
2: i would say in today's environment um i think it's the 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 people who don't see uh cannabis as politically correct the people mm. that still are not in favor of using it, mm. um, protesting it, either whether oh. they're protesting by not attending or sure. lobbying your, your community, lobbying your sponsors, lobbying your executives and stakeholders like that they're against it. And you having to essentially fight for some planned experience um, at uh, the event. Oh, I see that as being... You know, before you get to the event, even on site at the event, I see the um, Debbie Downers, for lack of better term. (laughs) I see them uh, as being a barrier for those who are either on the fence or are, you know, proponents of it, being able to, like, let their hair down and just have at it. Because, again, it's still not, like, a widely uh, applied norm.
1: That's super great. I mean, so the idea of, like, okay, we're talking about all the – this discussion between the attendee and the, and the, uh, the planners, you believe that there should be a discussion between external stakeholder sponsors and any reputation management that would have to take place. That's a really solid, uh, I mean, I, I think
2: the first time that a planner is incorporating cannabis, even it doesn't matter how liberal or accepting your audience is, there's gotta be a really lock tight PR strategy, a really good, um, uh persuasion analysis um, and use case because we have we have the situation anytime we try something new at events in general. Like you've had the, the same keynote, the same setup, and then you decide to do something new. You have to educate your attendee on why you're doing it, the outcome of it. You have to educate your sponsors. You have to educate um, your staff that's supporting it on how we need to do this. So it's the same thing. It's a new A new thing that you're injecting into your experience and you have to prepare your attendees for that you've got to um, make sure that they're on board so you don't have debbie downers crashing the party but then you also have to educate them on how to be safe what if you've got first-time users there that don't know their tolerance mean, especially if you're dealing with edibles you know it's not a, a thing that's easy to measure whereas alcohol you know a shot a a, a cup of glass, a a glass of wine, a beer equals one serving of alcohol. So I think it's, it's all those things. It's educating on the why and the, you know, the, the expected outcome, but also like educating on the use and the how to, and the, all, you know, all the logistics that typically come with it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I would maybe engage a consultant, uh, that you know has been there before to educate uh, everyone. You know, going into the planning stages of it, uh, maybe somebody there, you know, on premise as well, who is uh, versed in uh, dealing with that. You know, on site uh, as an extra level of uh, you know security and and knowledge, uh, and then potentially. I mean, maybe it's a lot of dialogue and polling with your you know your stakeholders, and then eventually your attendees to you know, to do that, like, I, if it was introducing that to your community in a way that was novel, that your community has not used to something like that, potentially, there's an opportunity for like an activation or something like that, that would take place at the event that would be part education, and mm-hmm. safety, uh, that would be kind of a bonus. I mean, if this was the event that introduced that to your life, but also introduced it to you in a way that was holistic, and, uh, you know, uh, coming from a place of uh, your personal, um, you know, security. You know, first and foremost, it might be a real valuable life thing. I mean, you see all the time at events that have. I don't know massages or I've been to a lot of events where there's been like makeup tutorials and things like that. And then the idea is like very much like, hey, this is outside of your normal scope of life. We're going to give you some things that might modify your life in a positive way after this too. That have a legacy and some you know potential impact. And frequently those are activations that have sponsorship elements because people want to be um, you know in a position where they're uh, making a life changing uh, moment and being you know tangential to that experience taking place. Um, you know, maybe it's an opportunity for education, uh, in addition to the value of it itself. If there's, you know, we, we determined that there's a, a lot of time, uh, to make up between the, the familiarity that people have with alcohol to get to the point where the people that have the same familiarity with, with cannabis, um, maybe you can be a facilitator of that, you know, an accelerator of, of that in the best possible way. Um, but I do think it's really important and that's really sticking with me now too, is that you need to have a dialogue first with everybody involved because there's a lot of, there's a lot of X factor when it comes to managing brands. And I mean, I can easily see, I don't know, someone spinning that as like, this is something that they brought or they were brought, you know, helped put this on or whatever else it is. And there's a lot of relationship. So depending on whatever your personal feelings are, uh, know that like you're, Making an impact not only on your attendees as you're used to, but also the brands in such a way that, like, it's funny, like, you would never think of an alcohol, you know, like if some major brand is sponsoring an event and there is alcohol at it, it would not make the news. Uh, yeah, true. That's, but this might.
0: well, I think that's really why it's going to be really important. I think moving forward, it's like you're not going to put a bunch of edibles on a table and just say, hey, go at it. You know, like that's <laughs> Figure where, it out. Like, mm-hmm. As much as we hate the term bud tender in some ways, like <laughs> yeah, it's good yeah. to have that because that, those people really I think right now are serving as educational people moving mm-hmm. forward, almost like the like the very high end mixologist you would hire to create a custom cocktail for for your event. Um you know, one thing that's kind of piquing my interest in thinking about this, too, is that, like, right now, too, like, if you wanted to have it at an event, you're probably bringing a third party, like, vendor in to do it or something like that or, yeah, sponsor to do it. But, like, what – how long do you think it's going to take before hotels jump on this? And they realize that they have the ability to monetize this in the same way they monetize alcohol and, and in let's case, you don't have, like, an open bar or something like that. Chances are, like, you might not have, like, an – yeah, like, an, like an open – Bud Station, I don't know what the heck you would call it, but like, I'm wondering, like, when venues start to realize, oh my gosh, we can sell a chocolate bar for sixty bucks, like, okay, like, let's figure out a way that we can resell, it. and I also just don't know what the legality of that exactly is because, uh, in theory, I think then then that way they they have to be, you know, a dispensary or something mm-hmm, like that. Yeah. What that exactly looks like, but you know, this is why I think third party vendors are 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 very very popular. But imagine like that case where it just becomes so seamless, and you know. Well, we always joke, like, never doubt uh, airline or hotel's ability to make money off of something. I think well, that's going probably be in our soon future.
1: They're, they're losing the revenue now. You know, like like I am yeah, the true. oldest type drinking. of person yeah. who's making yeah. the decision this, but, the, but there's a whole generation of people whose kind of default is less likely to be alcohol and more likely to be that. Uh, so, um, they're, they're not going to let that lost revenue stand with the investment that they've made in alcohol. And, and I can tell you as someone who's worked a long time in food and beverage, your profitability comes in alcohol sales. Uh, it's, it's sometimes everything else is, is pretty close to a loss leader in comparison to the revenue that you make on alcohol. And if alcohol continues to get hurt, uh, in its, uh, you know a decision to go up against that in marijuana then for their very livelihoods they'll need to figure out a way to make this it's not just like ooh how can we make some more money it's like how can we replace the money we're losing and have been losing for years uh and and also like there is a safety element as well because for the alcohol they they have a lot of control and there's a lot of training in that in that building to be able to identify what's frequently called a vip a visibly intoxicated patron and uh i i think i can do that even better with <laughs> people that are high so it's trainable uh and uh, and with that you you know you get not only do you meet your uh mandate of uh you know uh taking care of your of your guests uh, but also uh you you have a lot of liability that you're you know offsetting as well and like the variables are different you know you can absolutely be in a position where you're Uh, not you're a a risky, uh, uh, figure in in a lot of opportunities and not be as visibly, uh, under, uh, the influence as you were with alcohol, depending on how you're built. Like, but there's also dead giveaways, but if you're looking for something that is different, then you're not going to find it. Um, so it's, uh, it probably behooves them to not only get on, on board with the understanding of, what to do from a safety perspective but also if you're making that type of investment anyway uh and you're losing revenue from alcohol all signs are really pointing to the adoption of marijuana uh, for hotels i think
2: Hmm. if either of you um let's say you had a client that was like we're on board our audience our stakeholders uh our executives everyone's on board we're gonna bring cannabis in And they gave you free reign to plan the experience. What would like a great intro to cannabis at event experience look like to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, so anytime I ever gone to dispensary, my one of my biggest takeaways is always, man, the people that are behind the counter there might not tick any of the boxes as like super educated looking people. I hate to be that person, but boy, are they, I'm like blown away. I'm like, that person is a certified genius in getting high. Like,
2: <laughs> like, like,
1: like the the terminology, it, it's like uh, very, very much in my out of my league. You know, like I, I ask an innocuous question and they're like trying to figure out how to nicely dumb it down for someone like me. Uh, and it's, it's kind of amazing, but, and I, I always am yeah. just like, this is so impressive. Uh, and so I would want that kind of experience of like, uh, of someone who is just like, uh, you know, the consultant, the sort of running of the show who creates a kind of white glove, um, experience where yes, you may have done this and likely in your, at some point in your, in your life, but there's, there's more than this that, you know, than, uh, than you think. And, uh, you know, it would be one that would be more of a uh, an experience around personalization because I think that's the key. Right. Mm-hmm. So someone's like, oh, I, I you know, I, I had a really bad experience with it. They'd be like, oh, well, that happens. Can you tell me like and they ask like three really smart questions and they're like, oh, that's because you were doing this strain versus that or mm-hmm. you, you were actually doing it this way and that and that could be a life changing moment. Like that could be something that yeah, that makes someone's life inherently better. So I would want to facilitate that through personalization. I think that would be like the the biggest element of it. Uh, And then I would also potentially have like maybe some kind of like series of questions to seed uh, the audience with ahead of time that would allow to make that facilitate that faster and then also get people to like start thinking about it themselves. So it becomes something that is a look forward to experience with the, you know, the, the personalization element. So it, there's like a high anticipation of it. And, uh, I think with those two things in mind, you would have something that would be, um, very organized, uh, and very thoughtful, uh, as opposed to, I think our, our biggest fear, which is a free for all. <clears>
0: hmm. <throat> Uh, I, so then I start to think, I think that's a really great point in terms of like the serving experience and things like that. I think my brain immediately goes to like the environment that you can create once someone is high too. Mm, um, yeah, so, great point. so like for me, um, you know, one thing I think is important is like, I don't think I can think only like, unless I'm dancing, I don't usually like to stand when I'm high. So like, I'm thinking, you know, it's great to like give places where people to sit that creates connection in a lot of ways like you know and that means like i think things like couches beanbags that sort of stuff i think can be really really fantastic um i also think too like when it comes to um new music there is definitely music that works i in general i think music. You think it's universal
2: general. like <laughs>
0: i i don't so i think there's certain types of music that can invoke th- feelings that that you definitely makes more sense when you're high but like sure. music in general people love it when they're high like right like I'm, one of my yeah. favorite things to do is dance like i love going to like the like like going to a drum and bass show and dancing crazy while high mm-hmm. it's so much fun but like you know there's definitely a reason why music like tame and paula exists is that like it has these like long flowy vibes that i think can really set a mood and you know i think that if you don't have experience in and doing and knowing what feels good to you Like you can ask anybody who's done this because chances are they've experimented with music and things like that. I think the other thing and I joked about it, too, is like food, like munchies are a real thing for sure. And like, you know, I think that in a lot of ways you can also smartly design food that people won't feel that they got, they got the wrong stuff. So like we've all been there before we raid our fridge and you end up eating the Doritos and the goldfish and then you're like, man, but why didn't I eat the celery sticks in the ranch? And it, sometimes it's because like you're choosing the thing that's the easiest for you, like the path of least resistance. So like I would suggest like create snacks that are like really healthy, but like are rich in flavors and things like that, fruits and, you know, things like that. And I think that people will really, really love that. Um, mm. And it's, and then the other piece of that food delivery system too i think is like make it where the person doesn't have to keep going back to keep getting more snacks because in most events you're like okay i want to make it where they get like a little plate and maybe a little something or someone's going to go around and hand you like a little order no like allow them to load up a plate put it next to themselves on the couch and then boom they're set yeah i think in a lot of ways right um and then I think the other thing about this too is that like because when you're you're high, I think your inhibitions are lower too. You're also become like honest in a lot more ways and open to deeper conversations. Um, <laughs> you know, like uh, sometimes asking like super scientific questions is like super like blows my mind. But like you know, for example, there's a lot of like reflection questions. So one thing design experience I would do is grab a bunch of like reflection cards. So, so like just Google like yeah reflection card games and things like that and they'll have questions like tell me about a memory when you're a child that you love and then people will tell the stories that they may have not told when they weren't high but like i think those kind of things really really can like blow people's minds and build like just insanely deep connections that wouldn't have happened um in any other way um and then i think the last little bit too of it too is just like you know yeah just make i make the experience fun because i think One piece, and we haven't talked about this, is that I think when you're high, it can create paranoia in some ways, too. So if you create environments where, like, people are looking at you, you know, like, we've all been there before where, like, you, like, maybe you, like, eat an edible and then you have to go through security to go do (laughs) some ways. And you're like, oh, my gosh, they're going to know I'm high. What the heck? Right. You see, everyone knows that stereotype. Will has a very
2: vivid memory right now uh, coursing (laughs) through his brain. Very much,
0: very much. But I think, like, if you can create this environment where people feel safe and they feel Mm -hmm. like they're in a good environment, you know, like, I think that can be really, really, really impactful. And so um, and if you're looking for like um, specific ways to experience this, I think music festivals can do like be a great example of this in a lot of ways. Like they'll do things like, for example, have rangers who are walking around checking in on everybody and they're always super friendly. They always talk at like a nice volume and pleasant, like, you know, pitch and everything like that. And it makes you feel like you're in a good place. Um, You know, they're not whereas like the
1: central park rangers yeah me. no 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 yeah and you're not looking yeah. for
0: like the the club bouncer you're not looking for the person hey what are you right. doing you know right. that, that that can freak some people out you know mm-hmm. and i think it, like you know we've all heard the term like don't create bad vibes that like just think about that i think in the same way too so that's what i think about like the experience once you're high how you can maximize that experience for people
2: mm-hmm. yeah. there's
1: a place in uh new york city called the brandy library that what, one of the things that made made me think about this just now uh is that um you said like, oh, this type of music makes, you know, people feel this way. And I'm thinking like, well, maybe, maybe to some, maybe to others. And then I thought about it. I'm like, well, what they do with this place is that this is like for people. It's like the biggest uh, uh, variety of whiskey in North America in one place. And like they, they don't, they want to like educate you while they're giving you what they're giving you. And what they do is they serve it on a platter and it has like six different things to taste against it.
2: Oh, and it's for you to
1: find out what you like against it, because their whole thing is there's no right way. There is a, a combination to unlock for it to be the most pleasant for you. So, like, they'll bring you a big chunk of ice. But they won't put water or ice in it, and they'll be be purified water. Some people like it neat. Some people like a little bit of water. Some people think that they're – the only people that are wrong are the people that think that there is a right way to do it. There isn't. (laughs) Uh, And I think the same thing goes for, like, cannabis. Like, there is – you know, there isn't a right music. I don't think there's a right vibe or whatever. I think it's all very personal. But I think in a design, it would be really cool to have – some you know like in that tray they bring you like a piece of mint and a piece of caramel and like whatever but like the music equivalent of that right so like there would be Mm -hmm. like you know maybe it's drum and bass on one side maybe it's like smooth jazz over here or whatever and like someone would find the thing that that like just locks in for them and creates this like ultimate experience but like they didn't put like marshmallows and like nachos and whatever on that tray they put things that are the purest version of something. Right. So like, I'm not saying like any music is necessarily the best music for that maybe, but, but you would pick something that would be like kind of archetype. Like if you don't like this, you would like this. Uh, and like designing that where there would be these like kind of vignettes, uh, of these different things to add to the equation for you to find that, that perfect mix in an environment where these are people who are not necessarily ingratiated in this normally. Right. Like that. I think that's a big part of what we're talking about is we're not talking about like, this is like, the, the can the world cannabis awards where everyone attending that is like a pro, right? Like, like yeah, yeah. they know their thing, like the, the, we're aiming at a people that are kind of down the middle to say, okay, like how can we elevate this and have variety for you and also maybe help you on, on a journey uh, and more aiming towards more of the beginning part of that journey. Um, but yeah, it'd be fun to design for that, I think, because you you wouldn't, you would try to design in a way that would give them these kind of like additives uh that would be you know choose your own adventure mm.
0: yeah yeah, yeah
2: i'm excited point. i want to see someone do it tomorrow mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly maybe tonight Ma- it's friday night yeah, huh? yeah no, true, mom true.
2: don't listen to this episode no <laughs> yeah. For- fortunately yeah. my mom does not listen to that so i can speak freely
1: yeah <laughs> i i don't know i'm at a certain point in my life where i'm like whatever uh I think, I think nothing that we said today was like absolutely risky at all. We were just like, how do we, you know, make sure that people have a good time, uh, that are, uh, facilitate, uh, you know, experiences and do it in a safe, sustainable, holistic way. I feel like I, you know, as long as you're not, I mean, there's certain people that are just scared by certain ideas, I guess, whatever mm-hmm. for those people, but, um, that it's not an inherently destructive, uh, you know, way to an additive to an experience. Uh, it really just depends on how much thought is put into how it's inserted. So that's hopefully, if anything, this episode we we gave you an armed you with some of those uh, elements that gets you thinking on your own. Is this something that would work for your event? Uh, is there a portion of your audience that would be interested in it? You know, could you curate just a small group of? Like I, I, in the back of my head, I kept thinking, I'm like, this is either the perfect or the worst thing for HR pros. You know, like (laughs) they absolutely need to let their hair down. They also don't want to set a bad precedent. Uh, Maybe if it was, you know, what happens at this event, you know, whatever. But um, there's a it is a variable, I think, that could be used in the right way. And you just have to be really thoughtful like you would with any other variable uh, in in an event. Uh, So this has been a really exciting conversation. Thanks, uh, both of you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if anyone else wants to to give us what we're I think what we would all really be interested in is if you've ever had an experience either yourself as an attendee, uh, or or know people potentially who are in a position that are already uh, utilizing cannabis in their events, uh, I think you can tell we're we're all super interested in in the possibilities. Uh, the email is eventbrew at helloendless.com. Uh, there's likely a hashtag we people still use hashtag I forget is Elon Musk charging for that I don't know, <laughs> you know we're good no, we it's can free still with Twitter use Twitter blue <laughs> excellent so for eight dollars you could send something with hashtag eventbrew. so that's cool uh, we got event com, which uh, Elon Musk hasn't bought yet you know but there's talks uh, and yeah that's really uh, that's really it uh, thanks everybody for listening and uh, well Deanna thank you for uh, you know uh sparking up conversation oh the puns Uh,
0: but i don't like the puns thank you guys you guys are awesome
1: yeah cheers happy uh this year whatever this year is
2: (laughs) (laughs) thanks again for listening to event
1: brew be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head over to
0: eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or tell us what topics you want to hear covered. See you next time on Event Brew.